welcome to episode 78 of the Amanda Wagner podcast, the place for fiercely ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who want to get off the sidelines, build a legacy, and claim their spotlight. In this episode, we are going to talk about a brilliant question that came up during a coaching session that I can't stop thinking about. We are going to talk about how a few analogies related to moving our bodies has been helping me think about work. And Liz and I are going to have a conversation about where our ambition is at right now and how we balance that or make it work with what our capacity is in terms of time, space, and intellectual capacity. I'm Amanda Wagner, speaker, business strategist, and professional hype woman. And I'm Liz Pittman, a digital communications specialist. The Amanda Wagner podcast is the place for ambitious entrepreneurs and leaders who are tired of looking at others and saying, why are they doing that and I'm not? And are ready instead to claim their own spotlight. On this podcast, we talk about the challenges and delights of being highly ambitious and how even though we're impatient and at times anxious, we can be intentional and make strategic decisions about how to get more of what we want in a noisy world. I was in a wonderful coaching call last week and somebody came into the room and had all of these brilliant ideas. I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do this. And basically what I need to know from you, Amanda, is how do I balance my ambition with my capacity? And it took me by surprise because I think it's a brilliant question. And I think for somebody who, who thinks a lot about ambition and talks about ambition, I felt like I was kind of put to task where I'm like, man, I need a solution for this. I need a, a quip. I need an answer about how to balance these two things. And I don't have it. Because I think that sometimes we're pushing the gas more than other times. Sometimes we need to hit the brake. The idea of my ambition and my capacity having to be in line with each other feels like the best case scenario. It doesn't necessarily feel realistic. Liz, when you hear that question, how do I balance my ambition with my capacity? What does that do for you? It really gets my wheels turning a little bit. I've never thought about it before. I just do my thing. I just go about doing my work. What do I need to do? What do I feel like doing? I've never really thought about what do I want and how does that compare to what my schedule or how my brain feels. It's never something that's um, entered my mind before. When I started thinking about this idea of capacity, because there's all different types of capacity. This person that I was talking to is um, an entrepreneur on the side. She has a full-time job. She has two wonderful children and a, a busy home and work life. And so it can be hard to look in one area of your life, in this example, entrepreneurship, and going, I have so many things that I want to do, and they're all big and juicy, and they all excite me, but which one do I pay attention to now? And acknowledging some of the hurt and some of the challenge that comes with, well, I actually can't do everything that I want to right now. I don't get to do that because of the place that I'm in, in my life, with my family, with my work. And I really just felt that. That really hit home to me. The way that I've been thinking about it is kind of in a chicken and egg situation. So which do I pay attention to first? Do I pay attention to my fierce ambition, wanting everything, wanting it all right now, and then look at my capacity? Or do I examine my capacity first and then fit in 
the other pieces, figure out what my ambition can look like within that capacity. Now, if you joined us for the last episode, episode 77, we had Ashley Jansen on, who is a productivity consultant. And I have a feeling that she would absolutely say, look at your capacity first and then fit in the other pieces of your life and your ambition within that. Because if we are only paying attention to ambition, hello, burnout, that's where we're going to end up. But this really just got me thinking that I don't know if there's an answer. I don't know if there's a perfect equation, because in a lot of ways, what I think is special about my ambition in particular, and Liz, I'd love to hear your perspective here, is that my ambition doesn't really have an end point. It doesn't stop. It is always existing. It's not like I get to say like, check mark, now I'm done and can take a break and I'm no longer feisty about this. There will always be more. I will always want more. So for me, the idea of being like, oh, I, I'm this, I'm so ambitious, I do it all. Now I've hit capacity, can just slow it down, doesn't feel real. What about you, Liz? I'm the same way. It's never gone. I would say it ebbs and flows a little bit. Like there are times where I am really feeling it and I want to do all the things. And sometimes it's like, I'm going to take it slower. I don't want to do all of the things. I want to do a couple of the things but still things that I want to do. Uh, so for me, it never disappears, uh, but it does, the, the amount of ambition, I guess, that changes, but it's never zero. Have you ever been in a position, Liz, where you feel like you're too ambitious? Probably, that, that feels like something. I, I mean, I, I don't have something off the top of my head, but I, I can think back to times when I've started either a new job or a new project mm -hmm. and I'm so excited about it. I'm so yes. fired up about it that I just want to go and I want to do all of the stuff that has to do with this project because I'm so excited and passionate about it. So I think those are times where maybe I overload it and I'm, mm -hmm. I am too ambitious with the task list or whatever it is that I'm taking on because I'm so fired up. There's something magical about that that fire that I often find it will let me go further and further and further and I don't realize how far I'm going until I've gone too far and I've burnt out and now I need that recovery time. And I find that for me, my ambition, and this is not the first time you will have heard this from me, my ambition is coupled with impatience. I want it all and I want it now. And so often when I think about being quote unquote too ambitious, it is connected to capacity. I am too ambitious for the space that I have in my life right now. I am too ambitious for the amount of money that's in my bank account. I am too ambitious for all of the like the resources and the changes that would have to be made for me to really double down and get what I want. So in my mind, I'm really starting to play with this idea of how do I get a solid sense of my capacity? Because once I have a better understanding of my capacity, then I can understand which pieces I can realistically chew off and start to make progress on. You had a point. Tell me. Well, well, I was just going to say, I'm really excited to have this conversation because for me, for years, whenever I've thought about capacity, capacity has always been how much space is there in my calendar. That yes. has always been capacity. And that was the the last job I worked in. That was always the 
way it was used is do you have capacity for that? Like, do you have capacity to go to this meeting today? Do you have capacity to take on this task? As in, is there space in your calendar to do this? But capacity is so much more than me opening my Google calendar and seeing what's in it. So I'm just, I'm yes. jazzed about talking about this today. I'm so glad you brought that up because that this happened just this morning. So the day that we are recording this, we've had a lot of life happen. We are traveling in two days and somebody that I, I care greatly for reached out to me and said, there's no chance you have time for a coaching call today, right? And instantly I looked at my calendar and I was like, okay, I, I could. I have a call from 10.30 to 11.30 and then I have physio from 12 to 1 and then podcasting from 2 to 4. Maybe I could do like in the evening after Dottie goes to bed. And then I was like, Amanda, what the hell are you doing? I, I said no because I my capacity in my calendar was already nuts. Never mind the capacity of what my brain is able to function with right now. Um, full disclosure, my family was in a, a car accident last week. We are fine. But it has meant that the last four days have been insurance calls and physio assessments and doctor's appointments and back and forth with like the auto estimate. It's been a lot. And so I forget often what my actual intellectual capacity is, what my mental and emotional capacity is. Can I hold space for somebody else when I'm dealing with my own stuff? Even if it fits in the calendar. Capacity isn't just about the calendar. I'm so used to having a certain amount of tasks on my list each day. And I've always thought yes. about that as capacity. One day there's right. 10 items. The next day there's 11 items. The day after that there's 10 items. But I am not the same person every day, right? I yes. can't tackle that with the same enthusiasm every single time I look at my list. Right. And I imagine the or the instinct, at least mine would be, confirm this, but if I have a day where there's only eight tasks, to me that goes, oh, I have room for two more things. Absolutely. I had extra space today, so I had capacity to do more according right. to my notepad, but not maybe my heart or my brain or my body. Right. And yeah, how do we actually assess that, I think is the question, because when it comes to actually assessing capacity, we we love structure, right? I wish there was a like a little series of checkboxes that could tell me here's what my capacity is for the day. But I really do think the first step is is where we're at right now, which is that calendar is only one element of capacity. The other one is what's happening with the people around me and the life around me? What kind of sleep did I have? What is my body feeling like today? Can I confidently sit and do this? Can I focus for long periods of time? Capacity assessment, again, I, I hate that it relates to ambition. I really hate it. It makes me mad because if I could just pay attention to my ambition, I feel like I could do anything. What that has done to me historically, though, if I only pay attention to what I want and to wanting big things, I burn out because I say yes to absolutely everything. I get trapped in this cycle of people pleasing and thinking that if I say no, somebody's going to be mad at me. or I'm going to disappoint somebody else. But there has to be something else. 
there has to be another way to measure what capacity looks like. And this is where I have to bring up this analogy from a workout class. We're going to get personal here. Um, Christy is an incredible trainer from Empower Fit. It's a, it's a fitness studio in Alberta. And she talks about hitting your fences when we're working out. And this... Christy is a, a postpartum specialist. So I, I was working out with her after I had my baby. And one of the things she talks about is when we're doing certain exercises after having a child, for many people, your pelvic floor is just not what it used to be. So she said, okay, we're going to do 20 jumping jacks or we're going to do 10 jump squats. But the goal is actually never to get to 10 or 20. It's to get to the point where you feel like you're going to pee and you can't hold it or you start to pee and that's your fence. And the idea is that you stop at your fence, not once you've barreled through it, not once you've broken over it. There is like, you do not get an award for doing 10 jump squats and completely emptying your bladder. If anything, you get a reward for doing three jump squats and noticing that you're starting to lose bladder control. And the idea is that when you hit this fence, you stop the exercise, you take a couple breaths, you reset your body, you tighten up the muscles that you need to, you loosen up the muscles that you need to, and then you start again. And so I'm thinking about this in terms of work because as it relates to burnout, when we say yes to everything, and by we, I mean me, when I say yes to everything, what happens is that I barrel through those fences and I basically pee my pants at work every day. So I'm looking at this now going, how can I measure when I'm hitting this fence and teach myself to pay attention to that feeling, to pull back and reset, take a breath, do an assessment, strengthen what I need to, loosen what I need to, and then start over again. So it's looking at the goal in a different way. It's not about doing 10 or 20 of something. It's not about the number of tasks, but it's doing them in a high quality way so that eventually, week after week or workout after workout, when I used to be able to do three of something, now I can do four. Now I can do six. Eventually I can get to 10. The idea is to do 10 without peeing your pants. And I would really love to live to lead a work life where I'm not peeing my pants, <laughs> metaphorically and literally. <laughs> Liz, how does this analogy land on you? I think it's amazing and funny. I think it's a great way of thinking about it to be able to figure out what that point is and then pause. Instead of pushing through, which we all do, right? We all push, we hustle, we grind, fill in the blank for whatever word works best for you here. We've all done it. You've probably done it today at this point already, listener. Uh, but I love the idea of stopping. I like the idea of the reset, shifting what you need to shift so that you can move forward comfortably, right? We want to be able to have comfort and ease in that next step as well. I love this. I think it's so smart and it's such a great analogy. You can't see me, of course, but I keep pushing my hands out to, to symbolize these fences as though there's like a giant pen or baby gate around me. I thought you were going to say, you can't see me, but I am peeing. 
<laughs> You'll never know. Uh, no, I am not peeing. <laughs> but the day is young, my friends, and I haven't done any jumping jacks yet. <laughs> this is where we need the paid sponsorship for pelvic floor physiotherapy. So if you if you would like to have a paid spot for pelvic floor physio, I am here and I highly recommend it. I keep using my hands to symbolize these fences. And over time, I think there is a certain amount that we can stretch ourselves where those fences do have some wiggle room. But that doesn't happen instantly. And it doesn't happen by pushing so hard against the fences that they fall down. Instead, it's these time. I think it's the reset where we actually build that strength. Because for me, when I think about my work, I think about all the time that I have pushed through the fences, that that is what I have been aiming for. How far can I go? How fast can I go? When in reality, often the real work is when I can sit back, do the reset, do the reflection and go, hang on, how can I be a little bit more efficient here? How can I make sure that my processes can move a little bit faster? I can be a little bit more thoughtful about how I'm using my time. It's in the recovery phase where that magic happens. That's, I think, where we start to reassess what our capacity looks like. And frankly, I think I've been doing this in the opposite way for far too long and that I finally learned my lesson. I've always put my ambition ahead of my capacity. So even though I think of myself as somebody with boundaries and people will often say, oh, you have such great boundaries. Yes, but because I have put my ambition at the forefront, there's been a cost to it. Now, I don't think I, I'm, I wanna flip it entirely. I just wanna be aware of that capacity a little bit more. And again, like you said, pick your word if it's if it's hustle, if it's grind, if it's whatever that means, there are ways to be ambitious without it costing you everything. One of the costs that I've experienced putting my my ambition ahead of everything is that I'm not always the easiest person to be around at home. I don't leave any gas in the tank for anybody else. Um, and one of the costs is also my personal dissatisfaction when I don't get as far as I want to as fast as I want to and I'm in this like constant dissatisfaction in some ways this feels like a confessional episode where it's like I'm turning down my ambition that's a hundred percent not true and I don't think that I have to be more realistic about my goals or I have to change what I want to do and what I want to be known for absolutely not true. I still want to be at the scale of Oprah and I will. What I am more aware of is if I want to get to that scale, what do I have to say yes to? What do I have to say no to? Because I can't say yes to everything. Saying yes to everything makes me push through those fences because somehow having more calls and doing more tasks made me feel more productive, but didn't actually move the needle. In having this conversation, I think the instinct might be to, to pause and to shut things down and go, okay, wait, I have to do this huge reassessment of capacity. And I don't think that's the case. And we're going to bring up our lovely friend, Christy, here, who talks about when, when we're moving our bodies, when we're exercising, 
it is normal that there is soreness. And she uses this brilliant phrase as it relates to movement when she says, motion is lotion. The idea that when you're sore, you don't just sit and suffer. You actually keep moving. That's what's going to train your body and train your muscles to keep going and to get stronger and to work through the soreness, not so that you're in more pain, but so that we can really kind of connect with our bodies in, in a way that encourages movement, encourages momentum. I think the same can be said for our work. I think when we completely shut something off, it can take a lot more work to get us set up again. Versus if, if we want big things, if, if our ambition like can't fit in the walls of this room, my job is to keep making progress to what matters. The key is knowing what matters. So when we use this example of motion is lotion, how do we build momentum in our businesses? How do we make sure that we can keep moving towards something? Because that is the lotion that's going to ease the work we're doing. It's going to ease the journey instead of the fear, stop, go, stop, go. And the stop, go for me has come when I've burnt out because then I resent my work and I'm grouchy and I need to take a break and I just shut it all down versus actually getting a good look at what I can handle, what I want to be doing and what moves the needle. Liz, have you heard motion is lotion before? I have. I think because maybe you've said it to me. <laughs> I think that maybe I think this yeah. rings a bell. Yes. Yeah, I think that you had repeated it uh, to me the first time that Christy had said it in your class, I think. You had texted and said, isn't this brilliant? So yes, I have heard it, but from you. So thanks. <laughs> well, we'll pass that on to Christy. Um, <laughs> how does this connect to the way that you think about work? Either fences or emotion is lotion. I love the idea of this motion is lotion. I like easing off the gas instead of completely hitting the brakes, I think is really, really helpful because I think it helps you kind of retrain your brain in a way that's really beneficial for what you're ultimately trying to accomplish. I think if you just stop entirely, there also goes the motivation to get back to it. It's so hard to restart. Uh, I will link one of our past episodes in the show notes about getting started again after a break. It's a little bit tough to do, right? And and there are challenges and breaks are good, but if you go just fully stopped because you've had enough and you just step away for too long or you stop doing certain tasks for too long, it's really, really tough to get back into it and find what you liked about it in the first place as well. So I love, I love this idea of motion being lotion. Also, I love a good rhyme, so. Oh, can't beat a good, like a rhyme, a good little cheeky love a pun. We're big fans over here. I also think there's a difference in taking a break because you want time off, taking a break because you've hit your fence and it's time to reset versus taking a break because you're pissed off and you are overworked and you're resentful and you hate everyone around you and you will not function unless you take a break. Alternatively, you are forced to take a break. For sure. Yeah, there's a there's a big difference between taking two weeks off at Christmas to hang out with your family and hitting a wall because you've busted your ass for months and you've got zero gas left in the tank. Very, very different scenarios. 
easier to come back after a Christmas vacation than it is after running into a brick wall and not being able to to handle it anymore. Exactly. It's been fascinating this month because, of course, with the new year, even though I, I said in episode 76, I'm like, I'm not ready for the new year yet. I haven't done my big reflection. It's been fascinating to have some private coaching calls this month with people who are resetting themselves for January. And one of the words that we've used a couple times here that has come out in some of these calls is this idea of ease. I had a client who said, you know, I went really hard. I've gone hard for three years and I've actually lost why I'm doing this to begin with. I need some simplicity again. And so the assessment in her own business is, is this simple? Can I simplify it? Or I I really like this version, which is how can I do this with more ease? How can I add some ease to this task? And I'm borrowing that. Because again, I'm, I have this advantage of getting to kind of eavesdrop on what other people are going through in their own self and career development. And so I take these little pieces like this brilliant question of balancing ambition and capacity and this idea of integrating more ease into my life and going, there's got to be a way to do this that doesn't take away from wanting big things. I don't think they have to live in opposition right? Ambition and boundaries are not opposing ideas. Both things can be true. I can be fiercely ambitious and I can have incredible boundaries. I can want it all. I can want it now and still have an understanding of my capacity. For me, I carry this fear of, but if I say no, are people going to think that I'm not ambitious? If I, if I don't have capacity for that, are they going to think I'm poor at time management? And the instinct is, okay, who cares? Really, like who is they? But also my job is to, to put the lotion on the things that matter. Keep working towards the thing that are mo- things that are moving the needle. And not everybody gets access to that. We are very guilty as... As trite as it can sound, we've heard, don't compare your insides to somebody else's outsides. I still think of that all the time. There are always things running in the background that you couldn't possibly know about. And I think there's some magic there. So four big ideas here. The first one is finding a way for ambition and capacity to work together instead of against each other. Your fences. Lean on and then pull back, reset, figure out what you need. The idea of motion being lotion, right? Motion is lotion. How can I build that momentum to continue to ease my brain into doing the thing that's really hard? And this kind of tacked on idea here, which is if we are comparing what's happening inside of us to what we're seeing, We are not serving anybody, especially not ourselves. So to actually step back and observe what our capacity is has nothing to do with anybody else. It's not anybody else's business, what you're working on or how you're moving the needle. What matters is that you are moving a needle that you really care about and you get to decide how to do it. 
So that's what I want you to consider. If we come to this place where we, we reset, we are clenching what needs to be clenched, we are tightening what needs to be tightened, and finding some, some ease and some looseness in the other areas, I would love for you to consider what needle do you need to move right now? What is the one that matters most that you can start to build momentum towards that you can come back to when you have to reset or when you've pushed on those fences and the boundaries have increased? When you're over capacity, what is the set point that you need to come back to so that you can make sure that, that your energy, be it physical, mental, intellectual, emotional, is being spent in the best way possible? so that you do not burn out. As always on this podcast, we are here with an ask. In the spirit of don't ask, don't get, I am here to say that I am booking speaking engagements for 2023. And I get very excited when somebody comes to me with a half-formed idea and says, can you create something magical for my audience? That is absolutely what I do. Please head to theamandawagner.com. You can see some of the core topics I speak on. Fill out that contact form. I would love to customize something for your audience, whether it is a team of five people or an audience of 500. This is what I do. And if you're looking for some digital communication support, whether it's your social media channels or your blog or your newsletter, if you need someone to bounce ideas off or just do it for you, I can help. You can find me online, lizpittman.com or look me up on Instagram at Liz Pittman. Our last episode featured our first guest, Ashley Jansen. If you have not had a chance and want to dig into some ways to think about productivity without chaos and without burning out, please visit that. In our next episode, we will be joined by another guest who, if you've been around for a while, you have undoubtedly heard about this person, the woman, the legend, Coach Jenny. Liz texted me this morning and said, I get to meet Coach Jenny. She's a real person. I'm so excited to meet her because I feel like I've typed her name and tagged her on Instagram and put her in the podcast show notes so many times through the last few years. So this is just a treat for me on a personal level to have her in the next episode. She is indeed a real person and she is here talking about her make it happen method. I have done it. It is incredible. You are going to hear where it comes from, how it works, and have the opportunity to use it yourself. So please join us in two weeks for another episode featuring the absolutely brilliant Coach Jenny. And thank you for joining us today. Fingers crossed you don't pee your pants today. I feel like we're setting the bar pretty low for our days, but who knows? Uh, we will be back in two weeks with that episode with Coach Jenny. And until then, we will see you on the internet. <laughs> if that's setting the bar low, I don't know, Liz. When you, you were... see. You got to see some of the days I'm having over here. When you were having your ask to do speaking, I, I thought you were going to talk about how sweaty you get because you're so excited. And then I thought, 
There's another potential pee joke in there, but you didn't go the way I wanted you to go. I'm for that. sorry. Well, I'm okay. glad Next. you brought it back to pee. Oh, but I am very sweaty. I know, but like in a Rest good assured. way. We both get like that when we're pumped. Love we're feisty just sweaty. Dripping. I can't wear yeah. any other color than black when I teach because oh, no. I sweat through my clothes. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's good yep. sweaty, but still sweaty. But still sweaty. <laughs> 